Hey, Fidelity. What's it cost to invest with the Fidelity app? Start with as little as $1 with no account fees or trade commissions on U.S. stocks and ETFs. Hmm, that's music to my ears. I can only talk. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Zero account fees apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Zero dollar commission applies to online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity accounts. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Good morning. It's Tuesday and all eyes remain on Fiona after devastating Puerto Rico. The already powerful storm, now the season's first major hurricane. It's September 20th. This is today. Breaking overnight, Category 3, Fiona intensifies on its march through the Caribbean, triggering deaths, catastrophic flooding, and mass power outages in Puerto Rico. No power, no water, nothing. This morning, we are live with a first-hand look at the damage, the race to help millions, and Al's full forecast. New twist, a criminal investigation now launched into those surprise flights carrying migrants to Martha's Vineyard. Just ahead, the sheriff who says they were lured under false pretenses. Somebody came from out of state, preyed upon these people, lured them with promises of, of a better life. And the overnight response from Florida's governor not backing down. Stunning turn after more than 22 years behind bars, the subject of the popular serial true crime podcast walks out of court a free man. His murder conviction suddenly thrown out. What he's saying and why his legal fight is far from over. Those stories plus tipping point. The new rules when it comes to giving extra at coffee shops for takeout even at the vet's office. What you need to know before digging a little deeper. And final farewell. The royal family lays the queen to rest after the pageantry, the history, and the emotion of her state funeral watched around the world. This morning, the enduring images and what's next for the new king and his family. Today, Tuesday, September 20th, 2022. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie, live from London, and Hoda Kotb, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. And welcome to Today. It's a Tuesday morning. We're so happy you're with us. Savannah remains in London for us following the Queen's elaborate and emotional uh, state funeral. Savannah, it's hard to believe that this time yesterday, you and I were sitting next to each other and witnessing this historical moment. What a magical moment to witness history right here. We stood as the coffin came right by, right behind us, and went into Westminster Abbey, the start of an absolutely, uh, just a momentous day, one steeped in history and beauty. And I think people here are feeling that the Queen got a fine farewell. We'll have more on that in just a moment. Yeah, all right, Savannah. But let's start off with Hurricane Fiona. Its impact being felt across Puerto Rico as well as the Dominican Republic. People are facing widespread power outages and historic flooding. By the way, this comes exactly five years to the day after a devastating blow from Hurricane Maria, a storm that Puerto Rico is still recovering from. And as we mentioned, overnight Fiona grew in strength, now a Category 3. It's bearing down on Turks and Caicos. Al is tracking it for us. But we are going to start with NBC national correspondent Gabe Gutierrez, who's in hard-hit southern Puerto Rico. Gabe, good morning. Hoda, good morning. This is what some neighborhoods in southern Puerto Rico are waking up to. Down trees, down power lines, no running water. 
actually a short time ago. We even got more rain, but thankfully the floodwaters in this neighborhood have started to recede. But the devastation across Puerto Rico has been extensive. At least three people are dead here and in the Dominican Republic. This morning, Fiona has strengthened into a Category 3 hurricane as it barrels across the Caribbean, leaving a widespread trail of destruction. Twisted metal and mudslides in the Dominican Republic, which is now under a state of emergency, and catastrophic flooding in Puerto Rico, where millions of American citizens are in the dark. Overnight, just 11% of the island had power. Only 35% had running water. Some areas drenched with more than 30 inches of rain since Fiona first made landfall on Sunday. From the air, staggering images of entire towns underwater, people on rooftops desperately waiting for help. More than 1,000 people across the island have already been rescued. No power, no water, nothing. Fabian Moran and his family in Yabucoa were among them as the water kept rising. Had you ever seen something like this no, before? No, no, never. Mudslides, sinkholes, bridges washed away. The scope of the disaster still not fully known, since rescuers are still trying to reach remote areas that are cut off. On his way home from London, President Biden called Puerto Rico's governor, Pedro Pierluisi, pledging more federal support. Was the government here on the island prepared for oh, this kind of storm? Definitely. Much better prepared than when Maria happened. Exactly five years ago today, Hurricane Maria sliced through Puerto Rico, killing an estimated 3,000 people and decimating the island's electric grid. Is it fair to describe the power grid in Puerto Rico as a complete disaster? No, that's too much. It is fragile. It is fragile. How long do you expect the power to be out well, for? Most customers, I hope, will get their power back within days. How many days? That remains to be seen, uh, but definitely not months. And here in Puerto Rico, there is widespread frustration that the power grid on the island was not rebuilt more effectively after Hurricane Maria. Meanwhile, as the cleanup effort gets underway here, Turks and Caicos is now bracing for Fiona as it continues to strengthen into a major hurricane. Hoda. So, let's hope his, his words are true. Days and not months to get that power back on. Let's bring in Al. We want to know where Fiona is headed. Hey, Al. Here we go, guys. All right, so as, as Gabe just mentioned, it's just 20 miles uh, southeast of Grand Turk Island, the Turks and Caicos, 115-mile-per-hour winds. This is a Category 3 storm. It's moving northwest at 10. It has slowed down a little bit, so we're going to be watching this. Obviously, hurricane warnings in for the Turks and Caicos. Southern Bahamas is right now under tropical storm warnings. We're going to be watching this very closely. The path of the system brings it to the west, uh, east of the Bahamas. Now, what we're looking at Friday morning... There's just, you notice the cone of uncertainty, about 100 miles to the west of Bermuda right now, Fiona, as a Category 4 storm. I mean, that's massive. As it makes its way, it continues. It'll bring torrential rain there. And as we head on into the weekend, they're going to have to deal with this in Canada. I mean, we're talking about a Category uh, 2 storm just south of Sal uh, Halifax, destructive winds possibly for the Atlantic-Canadian ca uh, borders. Now, for us, we've got to worry about dangerous rip currents, beach conditions, beach erosion, as this system makes its way up to the north. So we're going to be watching that all week. 
And the next thing we're worried about, we've got this uh, tropical disturbance. It's got a 40% chance of development in the next five days coming into the Caribbean Sea. So we're going to be watching this because, again, that cone of uncertainty and that development zone just to the south of Puerto Rico, guys. All right, Al, uh, thank you so much. We'll check back with you in just a bit. Craig joins the table now. Another big story we're covering on immigration. Yeah, Hoda, good morning and good morning to you as well. The battles over immigration and the dozens of migrants sent from Florida to Martha's Vineyard last week. Those battles are heating up this morning. Those unannounced flights are now the focus of a criminal investigation. NBC's Emily Ikeda is here with the very latest on this one. Emily, good morning. Craig, good morning. Strong words from the Bear County Sheriff, who says these migrants flown to Martha's Vineyard were preyed upon. Meantime, the governors of Texas and Florida vow to continue transporting migrants north as southern states experience a record influx of illegal crossings. This morning, another twist in the rising tensions over immigration throughout the country. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis may now be in hot water after a Texas sheriff opened an investigation into that plane of migrants sent to Martha's Vineyard last week, which DeSantis took credit for. Javier Salazar, a sheriff from Bear County, Texas, says he believes a Venezuelan migrant was hired to recruit a group of other migrants who were flown from Texas to Florida and then to the wealthy enclave of Martha's Vineyard. Our understanding is that a Venezuelan migrant uh, was paid a, a, what we would call a bird dog fee to recruit approximately 50 migrants from the area around a migrant resource center. The sheriff saying the migrants were brought there dishonestly. I will use the word lured uh, under false pretenses into staying at a hotel for a couple of days and then eventually flown to Martha's Vineyard. They were promised work. They were promised the solution to several other problems. DeSantis, who took credit for arranging the flights, hitting back overnight. It's clearly voluntary and all the other nonsense you're hearing um, is just not true. And, and why wouldn't they want to go given where they were? They were in really, really bad shape. I think what we've been able to do is show that this border is a disaster. The attorneys for many of the migrants allege there were false promises made regarding work opportunities, schooling and immigration assistance, and that many were told they were flying to Boston. It's part of a larger battle brewing over immigration ahead of the midterm elections in 2024 presidential race, where DeSantis may be a contender. His migrant transport following in the footsteps of Texas's governor, who has bused thousands of migrants to cities like Chicago, Washington, D.C., and New York in recent months. Governor DeSantis' office also said overnight on the investigation, immigrants have been more than willing to leave Bear County after being abandoned, homeless, and left to fend for themselves. The Flor Florida gave them an opportunity to see greener pastures in a sanctuary jurisdiction, Craig, all part of an ongoing battle over the border. Ongoing indeed, Emily Kata for us this morning. Emily, thank you. Meantime, President Biden has a lot on his plate this week as he returns home from the Queen's funeral. This as his own surprising comments about the 2024 presidential race during a high-profile interview raised questions about his future. NBC's chief White House correspondent, Kristen Welkers, here with that part of the story. Hi, Kristen. Good morning. Hi, Hoda. Good morning to you. President Biden will travel to New York later today to focus on foreign policy. That's at the U.N. General Assembly. But his domestic agenda, his political future are in the spotlight after he seemed to leave the door open to not running for re-election in that recent interview. All of it adding urgency with the all-important midterms now less than two months away. 
With the critical midterm elections less than 50 days away, there's growing pressure on President Biden to decide his own political future. On 60 Minutes, the president saying he'll make a final decision on a second term after November. It's much too early to make that kind of decision. My intention, as I said to begin with, is that I would run again, but it's just an intention. But is it a firm decision that I run again? That remains to be seen. Speculation has been swirling among Democrats about whether the president will make a second bid for the White House with his age front and center. Mr. Biden, who will turn 80 in November, is the oldest president ever. Some people ask whether you are fit for the job. And when you hear that, I wonder what you think. Watch me. First Lady Jill Biden with Chanel on Today. Have you talked about it with him? Not yet, but uh, I'm sure it'll be a discussion. According to nine people familiar with the planning, the president's aides have been quietly building a campaign that would rely on DNC resources. While a majority of voters disapprove of the president's job performance, his approval rating has ticked up to 45 percent. And aides say Mr. Biden is upbeat after a series of victories in Congress. The president's decision could also hinge on whether Democrats have a strong showing in the midterms. If the president decides not to run, the Democratic race would be wide open with Vice President Kamala Harris, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, Senator Bernie Sanders and several high profile Democratic governors, all considered top contenders. And Kristen, all this is coming about just as President Biden is set to enter the world stage again tomorrow at the U.N. Hoda, that is absolutely right. He's poised to participate in the U.N. General Assembly. You can expect a focus on Ukraine, climate change, and, of course, the global economy. Inflation is still at a 40-year high here in the U.S., and the president is slated to deliver remarks on Wednesday. That's a day late after he attended the Queen's funeral, where he will stress the importance of unity as America and its allies face all of those global crises that I just mentioned. And officials here also stress Ukraine will be front and center, Hoda. All right, Kristen Walker there for us at the White House. Kristen, thank you. Let's send it back to Savannah in London. Well, Hoda, following that moving day of public ceremonies that we witnessed, the Queen has now been laid to rest beside her beloved husband, Prince Philip, the royal family holding a private burial service in Windsor. Following the pageantry and emotion of her state funeral, watched by billions around the world. Today's senior international correspondent, Keir Simmons, is here with me in London. And Keir, it was, it was a, it's, it's hard to put into words the beauty of what we witnessed just behind us. That, that's so right, Savannah. And I know you're feeling it, and anyone who suffered a bereavement will recognize it. You have the shock of the loss, then the funeral. And then on a morning like this, the what now? And for many people in a world of insecurity, yesterday's unity will have felt uh, so good. The question for King Charles, can he maintain that legacy? In a day filled with pageantry and processions, from soaring music to absolute silence, the summary of a life so full, not easily expressed in a eulogy. All who follow the Queen's example and inspiration of trust and faith in God can with her say, we will meet again. A family's grief shared as world leaders, including President Biden, watched King Charles wiping away a tear at the loss of his mother and Queen. His handwritten message next to the imperial crown in loving and devoted memory. Part of a royal tradition, the Queen had written her own notes to her beloved mother and husband, and of course, Harry's famous note for Diana. 
a generational shift before our eyes. Seven-year-old Princess Charlotte and her brother Prince George, second in line to the throne, still learning when to bow and curtsy. Outside, thousands lined the streets. Britain's new monarch putting aside the many questions he will face. Will this be the last royal event on such a scale? Talk of a slimmed-down monarchy includes opening more of Buckingham Palace to the public. And how to heal the rift with Harry. Walking beside older brother William, but without his military uniform. Kate, the new Princess of Wales, a title not held since Diana, will play a central role in the new royal family. But for now, it was the Queen's final act. In her beloved Windsor, her pony and corgis brought out to say goodbye. And in the chapel where just a few years ago Harry and Meghan were married, more tears. The sovereign's crown, orb and scepter lifted from the Queen's casket. A lone bagpiper, the sound she loved so much, playing a lament. And Queen Elizabeth was lowered to her final resting place beside her late husband and parents. The last day in her long life of service. Here there were so many touching moments, that yeah. moment with the bagpipe as he slowly left St. George's. Reportedly, the Queen herself requested that, the music fading, yeah. the coffin being lowered, and there was a moment where King Charles was seen on camera and he, and it, he looked stricken. It looked like the weight yeah. of it was right there in that moment upon him. Yeah, Savannah, that was the moment when they were singing God Save the King, mm -hmm. and you just saw the weight of responsibility, and at the same time, the weight of personal loss. It, it was clear that there were tears in his eyes, and little wonder, because he must be wondering, just as so many of us are, but he is the one who has to pick up the mantle. He must be wondering, how do you have a Great Britain without Queen Elizabeth. I know, and you mentioned, I mean, it is a grief. It's a death in the family, in the larger British family. People yes. certainly feel it. They say perhaps as many as 250,000 people queued in that line yeah. to, to, to see her and pay respects to her. Billions watching on television. Mm -hmm. where, where do you think it goes from here? What is the mood of the country? They have a new prime minister, too. It's so much change yeah. in such a short period of time. Well, through British history, the changing of a monarch has always been an insecure time. That's why you had all that pomp and ceremony, the idea that the monarchy continues, the sovereign continues, that the person is not the monarchy, the monarchy just stands. But these are difficult times, and perhaps you could argue that Britain and perhaps the world has never needed solid figures as much as we do now, and that's what King Charles needs to achieve, needs well, to do. She will be missed, and the, the job ahead is, is big, for yeah. sure. Kira, thank you so much. Guys, we'll send it back to you. All right, sure. Savannah, thank you. That word, unity, yeah. just totally seems to stick. It was like you saw leaders from countries that don't get along yeah. together in Westminster. You saw people lining the streets. All, it was very collective and beautiful. Um, we're going to have more with Savannah in just a little bit. But Al is back with the rest of his forecast. Hey, Al. Hey, we've got some flood watches in the southwest. Record highs in the midsection of the country. We're going to take a look at that in the next half hour. Less humid in the mid-Atlantic states and the northeast. Some afternoon storms firing up down through central and southern Florida. And that's your latest weather. Guys? Mm -hmm. All right. All right, Al, thank you. And coming up from here in London, we're going to take a closer look at Prince George and Princess Charlotte, their prominent role in their great-grandmother's funeral and the future of the royal family. Also ahead, Savannah, uh, has tipping reached a tipping point? With requests now from everywhere and still prices are sky high, there's an age-old debate it's reigniting. 
So who needs to be tipped? How much should they be tipped? New advice to hopefully save you a little money in aggravation. But first, this is today on NBC. It's time to breathe easier this allergy season with Breathe Right Nasal Strips. With instant nasal congestion relief for up to 12 hours, you can spend your time on your terms, not on your noses. Stuffy nose from outdoor allergens? No problem. We got you. Allergy season just turned into stripping season. Instant relief from nasal congestion anytime, anywhere. Need more convincing? Click the banner below and get a free sample. Breathe right. Get your strip on. Use as directed. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash today just go to indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash today conditions apply need to hire you need indeed and we're back 7 30 tuesday morning back home it's tuesday afternoon here in london Beautiful view of Westminster Abbey where the Queen's state funeral was held just 24 hours ago. And Hoda, we were witness to history and I know we felt so privileged and so touched to be there. Yeah, it was one of those moments, Savannah, when her coffin was going into the church, yeah. Craig. We st you, you stood up without thinking and it was just this collective mm. moment where you felt the country and the world sort of pausing. Absolutely. And just to add, uh, some of the images that were recorded yesterday will be iconic, including the littlest royals, mm -hmm. George and Charlotte there, to watch their great-grandmother be put to rest. We'll talk about that more just coming up in a few. It was one of the highlights, actually, back here watching, seeing Charlotte tell her mm -hmm. big brother, mm -hmm. future king, yeah. bow, bow, bow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, SG <laughs> will come back to you in just a few moments. First, though, let's get a check of your 7.30 headlines on this Tuesday. An American contractor held hostage in Afghanistan for more than two years is free this morning following a prisoner swap with the Taliban. Mark Frerichs, Navy veteran who was abducted in January of 2020. He was released in exchange for an Afghan drug lord who spent 17 years in U.S. custody. White House officials said the deal for Frerichs was the result of months of quiet negotiations. A Northern California woman was sentenced yesterday to 18 months in prison for faking her own kidnapping. 40-year-old Sherry Papini pleaded guilty last spring under a plea bargain. The judge said he opted for a longer sentence than prosecutors recommended in order to deter others. Her disappearance in 2016 led to a three-week multi-state search. The married mother of two is actually staying with her former boyfriend in Southern California. Let's go back to Savannah. Well, guys, as mentioned, there were so many touching moments during the state funeral for Queen Elizabeth, and some of the day's most enduring images were of Prince George and Princess Charlotte joining their family to honor their great-grandmother. NBC's Molly Hunter is in Windsor for us. More on the youngest royals now in the spotlight more than ever. Molly, good morning. 
Savannah, that's right. This was such a special moment yesterday. Prince George and Princess Charlotte were the Queen's only great-grandchildren to join the funeral service yesterday, and they rose to the occasion. Walking behind the Queen's coffin, three generations of royals saying their final farewell. King Charles, the newly named Prince and Princess of Wales, and seen publicly for the first time since the Queen's death, nine-year-old Prince George and seven-year-old Princess Charlotte. The second and third in line to the throne, the young prince and princess looked and acted the part throughout the day's ceremonies, solemnly entering Westminster Abbey by their parents' side and singing along to hymns and songs during the service, and following her lead when it came to royal protocol. Princess Charlotte even stepping in when her big brother Mr. Q instructing the future king to bow. At times looking overwhelmed by the pomp and circumstance, the children could be seen looking out of a car driving behind the procession. Prince William and Princess Kate's oldest children were the only of the Queen's 12 great-grandchildren to attend the funeral service, and three of her great-granddaughters later joined the family for the committal service that followed. The royal brother and sister handled all the public attention with grace, looking like little versions of their parents. Prince George wearing a navy suit, while Princess Charlotte wearing a black coat and smart shoes and a hat, just like her mother. The little princess even paid tribute to the late queen with a special accessory, a diamond horseshoe brooch she wore on her coat, a gift from Queen Elizabeth, and a nod to her late great-grandmother's love of horses. Missing from the Wales family, the youngest, Prince Louis, the four-year-old, likely left at home because of his age, though he's been known to steal the spotlight at public events. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex's young children, three-year-old Archie and one-year-old Lily, were also absent from the funeral. But now these youngest members of the royal family are the Queen's living legacy. Now we're also learning more about how the Wales family is coping. Kate has shared that while little Louis is a bit too young to understand exactly what's going on, Prince George is just coming to terms with how many people the world over loved his great-grandmother. Savannah? Mm. All right, Molly, thank you. NBC News royal commentator Daisy McAndrew is with us now. Daisy, good morning. As first as moms, can we just say that these little kids behaved superbly? It was just an absolute marvel. I know. I mean, I, I, personally, I think it's great that they went there because it's one of those moments that later on in life, I think often children do regret if their parents don't let them take part in these big moments. But you're so right. As a mum, I mean, mine are now teenagers, but I know yours are really similar age to that. <laughs> my heart was in my mouth watching them, thinking the stress that Kate must be going through, hoping that, I mean, they are obviously, they are the two well-behaved ones. Little Louis, we saw at the Platinum, I mean, he's, he's the monkey, so I think... Yeah, we I missed little there. Louis, but they really did rise to the occasion. And I'm sure Will and Kate, you know, debated over this and agonized yeah. over whether the kids were ready not only to attend their great-grandmother's funeral on a personal level, but to have that spotlight that the Archbishop of Canterbury so well said, just the brightest of spotlights on, the, on these little ones. Well, exactly. And so with that intense scrutiny comes some jeopardy, doesn't it? It's a moments of danger. If they had even done something, you know, inadvertently tripped up, done something wrong, been caught pulling a silly face, that would have been the picture that they would be known for, you know, for the next, until their teenagers. So they will have understood how serious the situation was. But as Molly was saying, the little you know, brooch that was the horseshoe, that was a nod, and then one of the other lovely moments was seeing the Queen's pony, Emma, lining the, you know, the, the long walk of Windsor. So there were some of these really personal moments that I think reminded you this was 
a family occasion. But the fact that we didn't know that the children were going until just the night before, I think, shows that they did leave the decision right up to the last minute, just to check that everybody was comfortable with it and it was going to be OK. And there's this added level because, of course, Prince William is now the heir to the throne. And, and Prince George is now the, the, the second in line. Yeah. And do you think that that was part of the decision-making? The continuity of the royal family is always forefront of mind yeah. for them. I think that was definitely part of it. It was a sort of reassurance that this is the future and the future's in good hands. But I also think the fact that Charlotte was there was really significant because the rules have been changed on primogenitor. In other words, the fact that a woman didn't... If she had brothers, even if the brother was a younger brother, that brother would become the king. Those rules have been changed. So I think that was a nod to say, you know, this this family has changed. It is modernising. Charlotte is a really important member of the royal family. You know, if, if George abdicated, if something happened to him, Charlotte would be the next in line. She would be Queen Charlotte. So I think that also was, was a nod to show how things have changed. Well, it was wonderful to see them and it, it does make you feel that the Next generation is well in hand. Daisy, thank you so much. It's my to, pleasure. Good to have you with us. Guys, I'll send it back to you. All right, Savannah, Thanks. thank you. There were so many little kids in line to look yeah. at the coffin. I, I found it so striking, and a lot of parents said, well, I know my child's not going to remember, yeah. but I will remind them that they were here yeah. when the queen was laid to rest, and it will be an important part of history. What was striking to me yeah. is, and you can relate to this, yeah. as, and Savannah pointed it out as a father of young children, yeah how well-behaved they were yeah. for seven hours. Yeah. Pretty yeah, remarkable. It was, it was. My kids, after like two, three <laughs> yeah. minutes of that, it would have been a disaster. Still ahead on a Tuesday morning, a stunning turn in a case that millions have been following for years now. The subject of the popular true crime podcast serial out of prison this morning after his murder conviction was thrown out in Baltimore. We're going to have the very latest on that. But first, Vicki wins here. She's talking tipping when you can skip it and when you definitely need to pony up. Ah, Hoda, Craig, to tip or not to tip, that is the question facing so many of us when they turn that little tablet around at the register. Coming up with the experts say, plus how some workers are actually revolting against people who skip the tip. That's next on Today. It's time to breathe easier this allergy season with Breathe Right Nasal Strips. With instant nasal congestion relief for up to 12 hours, you can spend your time on your terms, not on your noses. Stuffy nose from outdoor allergens? No problem. We got you. Allergy season just turned into stripping season. Instant relief from nasal congestion anytime, anywhere. Need more convincing? Click the banner below and get a free sample. Breathe right. Get your strip on. Use as directed. Hey, parents. Greenlight is here to take one big thing off your to-do list, teaching your kids about money. With a Greenlight debit card and money app of their own, kids and teens learn to earn, save, and invest. You can send money instantly, set flexible controls, and get real-time notifications of your kids' money activity. Set up chores and put allowance on autopilot to reward them for their hard work. Then learn about the world of money together. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com podcast. We are back at a 743 with Consumer Confidential. This is our series around this time, same time every morning where we focus on issues that impact your family's budget. Yeah, and this morning, something you probably noticed, uh, more and more businesses are asking for tips. And, of course, it's coming 
when we're already facing rising prices. Yeah, so when is it appropriate to tip and how much should you tip? Well, NBC News senior investigative consumer correspondent Vicki Wynn on the case. Vic, what's the word? Good morning, Craig and Hoda. Yeah, you know we've all been at the checkout counter when we get prompted on that tablet with the tipping options, 25%, 20%, even when it's just takeout. It is causing a lot of people to add that so-called guilt tip to their purchases. And the thing is, it's happening a lot more often at businesses where you wouldn't typically tip. This morning, we have what you need to know about how much you should be adding and also when it's okay to skip that tip. From dine-in restaurants to independent coffee shops and even the vet's office, the pressure to tip has reached a tipping point. I'm sorry to say this, but tipping culture has gotten out of control. Patrons often feel guilted into adding a few bucks to the tab as more places turn to those tablets with preset tipping options. I will be ordering from a kiosk and the kiosk asked me if I want to tip. Why am I needing to tip? With takeout and delivery booming since the pandemic, many are questioning if tipping is always necessary. I'm not tipping for my food arriving cold so you could make more money. Some service workers are striking back. Videos posted online reportedly show orders piling up for people who don't tip up front. No one in their right mind is going to want to go five plus miles for under $3 pay. And yeah, we could get a cash tip at the end, but it's so rare it's not worth the risk. The reality, delivery drivers earn a base pay. DoorDash says that ranges from 2 to $10 per order, depending on time and distance. And the company says 100% of tips are passed along to drivers. Other apps have similar pay structures. While at restaurants, bartenders and waitstaff are often paid below minimum wage. One study finding more than half of their earnings come from tips alone. For that reason, etiquette experts recommend tipping 20% for average dine-in and delivery orders. If you're ordering takeout, a tip is always appreciated, though the amount you give for carryout orders can be 10 to 15% of the bill. If somebody is providing a service for us, if they are serving us, if they are putting bags of food together, I think it's very important to tip. Still, there are situations where you can turn down the tip jar. Insiders say examples include picking up clothes from the dry cleaner or if you receive care from medical professionals. Even services from highly skilled workers like plumbers or electricians can be completed without the guilt tip. So here's the bottom line with all of this. Keep in mind when it comes to service workers, they depend on the tips that they receive. While it was once the custom to tip after service is complete, some workers are now taking into account whether or not you tipped up front, and that could actually impact the quality of service. No judgment, but that's just the reality yeah. that people are facing. One great tip I got from Holly, who does our radio show, mm -hmm. she was like, just keep some singles. Keep some cash on you so mm -hmm. you can add something to the tip jar. You don't feel the pressure mm -hmm. of adding it to your credit card yeah. or whatever, but at least you're tipping. When I you're remember working at Ponderosa a long time ago, and pe when people didn't tip, you couldn't believe because you were running around. Yeah. So I always feel like if you have more, give more. If you yeah. have less, give, give what you can give. You can. I, especially these guys for making below minimum. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, that's They're not cool. They're relying on that money. Yeah. If yeah. you can afford to tip, tip. Yeah. yeah. Be All generous. Right. Thank, Thank you, Vicky. You know someone who always tips? Al Roker. Al Roker. Always tips. Well, Big tipper. Learn from my my great co-anchor, Sue Simmons. She yeah. said, because you're on TV, you tip yeah. a little bit more. <laughs>
because you don't want people talking about you. But it's also <laughs> nice to do something because it's nice. But you don't want people talking about you. You know what I'm saying? Okay, yeah, let's be real. Uh, we got some strong storms coming across Wisconsin today. We've got a risk of severe weather. Uh, some of these winds and strong storms could be really a big problem. However, low tornado risk, good news. Tomorrow, that moves to the east. 13 million people from New England all the way into the Ohio River Valley. Damaging winds, uh, hail. We're also looking at a possible tornado or two. Anywhere from one to two inches of rain. And then we're talking about the heat. Summer will not quit. That's right. Minneapolis tomorrow, near 90 degrees. 97 in Kansas City. Cincinnati, 87. Nashville, 97. Tomorrow, New York City, we're going to be above 80 degrees. 92 in Charlotte. St. Louis, 18 degrees above average. Temperatures do, though, start to cool down as we head into the weekend. That is your latest weather, guys. All right, Al, do you remember Cheryl Lee Ralph's oh, acceptance speech at the absolutely. Emmys? Oh, if you loved it and you knew how unforgettable it was, well, wait until you hear what she is revealing about that incredible speech. If you haven't seen it, you have time in the commercial break. Check it out. But first, these messages. It's time to breathe easier this allergy season with Breathe Right Nasal Strips. With instant nasal congestion relief for up to 12 hours, you can spend your time on your terms, not on your noses. Stuffy nose from outdoor allergens? No problem. We got you. Allergy season just turned into stripping season. Instant relief from nasal congestion anytime, anywhere. Need more convincing? Click the banner below and get a free sample. Breathe Right. Get your strip on. Use as directed. 